Welcome to Mondays with Matt, with Matt Starkey. Start each week fresh with sound financial advice. Grab your coffee and maybe a pen. It's time to kick off your week with Matt. Welcome into another edition of Mondays with Matt. Thanks for tuning into the podcast as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And this week, investor biases uh, is going to be on the topic. A, a recent European financial review a study showed that uh, the biases impact our financial behaviors and decisions, which, is, of course, we have biases about so many things in life, whether we accept them or realize them or not, and they certainly exist in the financial world. So we're going to talk about how some of these might affect folks when it comes to their retirement journey and some of the things that Matt sees. And that's the edition this week. Matt, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, Mark. Good to hear from you, and uh, welcome December. I'm yeah, right? doing good. I'm doing great. Um, we just uh, wrapped up our on Friday, early December every year, we do our office open house Christmas party and uh, have lots of folks in, have oh, great nice. food and some music and some gifts and and some drinks. So um, everybody has a great time. And it's a little bit of a client appreciation that we like to do just uh, to say thanks for for being a client. And um, of course, we love to celebrate this month, the coming of Christmas and uh, and all of the wonderful uh, things that go with that. Yeah. So although it's not always fun on the holidays to celebrate because of different, you know, reasons, right, you know, right. but we, we like to uh, let you know that, you know, here at Great Lakes, you're like family and we love to put on a nice spread every year, have you come into the office and just to, just to have a great time. So if you missed it, um, definitely get signed up for our next event. You can check those out on our website um, and watch our emails. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, very cool. So yeah, that's greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. If you did miss it, greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. Uh, if you're not a client, then that, that would be one reason you missed it as well. So, But let's talk about some of these investor biases. Uh, I've got quite a few, so I want to try to get through as many as we can in our, in our time allotment. Let's start with confirmation bias. Matt, because our world right now, certainly this exists in every avenue. If you have an opinion, you are guaranteed to find something that will support your opinion, uh, whether that information is good for you or not, right? So confirmation bias is a real thing. And financially speaking, so let's look at it this way. If you already think that a product is a bad idea for you, but you don't really know anything about it, and you go searching, you know, why is blank product bad? You're going to find tons of information to support that theory. But what if it is a, a, the right fit for you, right? So you're automatically messing yourself up uh, by going down this confirmation bias path. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you, you know, it's funny. I was just having this conversation in the office with somebody and just saying it's hard to think outside the box. It's hard to think differently because you are the box, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, if we have a predisposed, uh, you know, mindset, predisposed, yeah, mindset about a certain type of investment or a certain way to do planning, even if you presented with something that might be the truth and it might be opposing to your particular view, it's really difficult to, you know, be presented information and just to accept it. Right. Uh, a lot of times we have to experience things for ourselves and, you know, uh, confirmation bias, you know, might be just even being invested in the market or, or not and say, well, I was, you know, mom and dad were never market investors and I never have been that wanting to be that exposed to risk, oh, but true, yeah. you know, some of the best uh, returns you'll get are, are there. And so, but you're exactly right. It holds true people that I talk to. Um, I just went back through some notes, some people that recently retired and and um, the first thing they said when she when they came in is she was very conservative and he's you know okay with some risk and 
those were the big concerns. Well, I don't know what the market's going to do. And I'm like, right. hey, it's funny, funny you say that because you said that in our very first meeting that how, <laughs> how opposed to risk you are. And she's been to a lot of educational events, has seen the market perform for them, but still is scared. And it's just um, goes to show you that confirmation bias does exist. And it's very hard to, unless you educate yourself and unless you're presented with a circumstance that causes you to change or shift your paradigm, you're probably going to be stuck in that that confirmation bias, like yeah. you said. You're going to find if you're negative, you're going to find negative things. If you're positive, you're going to always find the positive things. That's the way life. That's the is. way it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of these biases are going to flow from one to another. Now, not everybody's going to have all of these, but they can. You can have more than one. And you just talked about that person with the risk issue. Well, loss aversion bias is the next one, uh, and that's really being overly sensitive to those risks, risks or loss. Uh, and then, you know, thereby being kind of reluctant to take action. You know, think about uh, how many stories have we seen and heard about people who, you know, lost so much in the 08, 09 downturn, right? And then didn't get back in the market for five or six plus years and missed out on what wound up being a 12-year bull run, right? So, I mean, there's just lots of ways where loss aversion bias can bite you too. Yes, it can. Um, a lot of times, you know, this, this is particular to this language, loss aversion bias, because it usually comes after loss <laughs> and we're, we're overly sensitive then about getting back in. Um, yep. It happens. I, I remember talking to somebody, actually my, my father who um, wasn't, you know, I wasn't handling his investments at the time, but I was involved and that was the downturn of 2007, 2008, just like you just gave that example. And um, beginning of 2009, the, he said, I couldn't handle it anymore. And I, he, he kind of like confided this in me. You know, I'm I'm working with the other advisor who was managing his stuff, and and um, I was like, Dad, what are you doing? He he called, he confided, and he said he sold everything. He just called the custodian directly and got out of the market, went to cash, and I'm like, What are you doing? We are near the bottom. It's like January 2009. The market has gone down nearly 50. percent I said, You got to get back in, or you're never going to earn your money back. Like. You can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I was paranoid for him, you know. Um, <laughs> right. And he was like, when he told me this, he 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 knew he knew yeah. I was right. Yeah. But he wait he wait he waited out, out out of the market for about a week, and then he put his money back in. And thankfully, he did that because over a year later, my dad had passed away. So if his money hadn't been in the market, he would have lost that money, locked in the loss. And then it wouldn't have grown back. And right when mom needed that money to be there. Yeah. So um, I ended up taking over that uh, management of that. And uh, he had said to me, make sure mom, you know, the money's safe. And I said, okay, dad, I yeah. will. And um, so that loss aversion bias is sometimes it's, we're a little too sensitive. We know the strategy, you know, what works. Right. But if you've been bitten, it's really hard to, to to dip your toe back in, but you gotta be where what's going to work for your plan and your portfolio. And frequently, Dialbar shows us that the reason people don't achieve their goals is they, it's their behavior, it's their bad loss aversion bias that that really screws them over in the long run. Because if they would have just sat still and stayed and didn't move when the bear was attacking. The bear turns around and goes away, and a bull comes back. <laughs> right, true. Uh, you, can, yeah. you, you just can't move. You That's can't true. Move. Well, you know, and Matt, it, that can lead to the next one because you you have that that loss aversion bias, and you were kind of telling that story. It's like, well, you're getting out, and then you know you don't get back in, and then later on you end up with hindsight bias where you go, oh man, 
You know, I totally, <laughs> I totally should have done this, right? You know, and I it's kind of it. believing after the fact that the, the past event was, it was totally predictable. Oh, totally. It was, you know, I, it, I should have seen that coming kind of thing, right? And it's just yep. really reasonably, there's no way you could have. But that's why you've got to get over that fear and realize, okay, I have to take a chance, especially with the market still being, you know, the best overall way to grow your money. And again, a lot of times people got to keep it in the mindset of it is later bucket monies, not always the money that you need to meet. Immediately. So hindsight bias is, a, is another thing. Hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. Yep. So yeah, after you've been through it, you certainly can can look back and see. And I think what we often do is think to ourselves, "Oh man, I was a fool. Like I should have, I should have known. <laughs> you know, anybody would have known. That, yeah, right. You know? But think think but about the COVID downturn. Oh well, why? You know, we all <laughs> hello. That was obvious when jobs are closing, businesses are closing. Uh, of course, the market was going to drop. But then, if you got out at the during the drop of COVID, you had no clue that it was going to rebound as fast as it did. What was like down two months maybe. Uh, yep, and then yeah. if you stayed out for six months or five months, well, then you had the hindsight bias because you were like. Ah, I should have known it would come back really fast, right? Yes, yes, exactly right. Yep, and this happens this happens all the time. You know, the market is volatile. We know that. If you have a diversified portfolio with us, you know, we've planned for this already. We've planned for those events. And so we have a little hindsight bias because we study what happened before and what has happened in the yeah, past. Yeah, predictors, and right, but it's totally still we're not, right. Yeah, we're not predicting the future, but it's reasonable to think, okay, Okay, so this happened in the past, and right. did we all die? No. Yeah, there's okay. this it, historical data, which is a totally historical di- data, which yeah. is totally different than <laughs> an actual prediction, right? Yeah, and so what happened is, you know, we don't know where the next ten percent of the market upside is, but we know the next hundred percent is up and to the right. So we, we don't know if the market's going to drop or if it's going to jump next, but constantly we have this hindsight bias. Then after after the events of transpired where people think that um, we should have known or maybe they maybe they you know learned their lesson in the past and now they do now yeah. they do know so yeah yeah well so let's go to number five here familiarity uh, familiar can I say is that a say that right familiarity yeah <laughs> bias uh, <laughs> and that's kind of like the the comfort in the what you know right so I'm not gonna do anything outside of my comfort zone because it's just too darn scary and, and I think for this one Matt I think about you know where you're at and let's say employees of the big three right and you're you're your payroll comes from there. Your you know your salary comes from there. Stock options, maybe you know all the so much, maybe too much can get tied to that one company because you're familiar with it. Oh, absolutely. A real good story and relevant story to this is um, I had an advisor friend who who um, actually shared that his his dad was a pilot for um, United Airlines back in the day. He had a pension that was you know provided by by United. He retired. He had a million dollars in his 401k. Guess what it was all in? (laughs) United Airlines stock. And so what happens (laughs) is this familiarity bias. Um, You know, you work for the company. You you have some loyalty there. You feel like, well, they've always paid a good dividend or I had these. I got these stock options and that causes me to be able to buy those stocks at lower prices and then exercise the options and, and, and capitalize. But you really have to be careful here if you're f- familiar with a stock that, and or a company that's great. But do things change? Yes or no? Right. For sure. Yes, they change. They, y- yeah. yes, they do. 
And so um, this advisor friend's dad had his, all of his retirement, all of his 401k and United stock, plus his pension was coming from there. He was a little too familiar. Well, United, as you know, their stock plunged and they filed bankruptcy and they had to reorganize. His entire 401k was gone. Like, I think they maybe maybe jumped out with, with a very small amount left, but the stock crashed. And his pension went to the PBGC, which is a pension benefit guarantee. His his $10,000 a month pension went to about $4,000 a month. And his 401k was all gone. Mm, so wow. you got to learn from these situations, folks. You got to take this to heart, especially, uh, you know, you inherit a bunch of stock from mom or dad. You want to, well, it was good for them. Well, so was Montgomery Ward, but they don't exist anymore. Sears was great. But, you know, those companies have seen their better days. So you got to diversify these company stocks and you can't let familiarity bias ruin your life. You you yeah. just got to use wisdom. It's emotional, we understand that, but at the same time, if you let your emotions control, you're going to lose in the long run, I guarantee it. Yeah, that's a great point, for sure. Well, let's see if we can squeeze in the the final two here. Let's go with self-attribution bias. And, and that is this. This one's hard for us to do as humans, Matt, because it's basically like saying, "Hey, my okay, let's uh, let's say twenty twenty one for nineteen twenty twenty one when the market is certainly on fire for most of that, right?" And you go, you could have thrown a dart at the dartboard and, and got a picked an indice and probably did well, right? And you're like, "My four hundred one k is doing great because I am that good, right?" <laughs> but when <laughs> but then in twenty two, you're like, "Oh man, it's terrible." Oh, well, it's because the market stinks. Right. So yeah. you're kind of not, uh, you know, blaming yourself, putting your any of that self, uh, you know, attribution to it instead of saying, well, you know, it started to look early on in 22, like the market was heading down. Maybe I should reallocate or maybe I should talk with a professional who can help me through the good times and the bad times. Right. Yes. Uh, this self-attribution bias is is pretty big, um, and it kind of ties into your ego a little bit. <laughs> you attribute you attribute the successful times that you've invested to your to your own knowledge or your own knack or your own gut, but you often forget about those bad income bad outcomes. Excuse me, of when things went sour, or like you said, you blame blame the market, blame your advisor, blame your friend who recommended the crappy stock, right? But you just tell everybody about the good ones because you picked them. <laughs> so right. a lot of the, yeah, a lot of this at attributing the success to your, to yourself. I mean, it's, I want to say probably psychologically, it's a little bit of a fallacy. You know, we tend to think we make the best decisions. Well, you know, any married couple will go through <laughs> about five minutes of questions and you'll figure out you don't make the best decisions all the time. But what you do is you get a comfort level and um, this can often bite you, just like we we said with the familiarity, as as you get comfortable making these choices. You know, I had a classmate who was boasting all the time on Facebook about his crypto investing skills, and oh, I'm so glad I brought crypto, and I'm retired. You know, I'm retired, and he travels around the country. I don't know. He he does something for for work. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but um, he's you know, was pretty much talking about basically being retired at, you know, 45 years old because he bought crypto and it did really well. Well, guess what? If his money was all in crypto, how is he doing today? You know, that has crashed big time. I, I don't see any boasts about how great his crypto investments are doing right now. So um, again, this self-attribution bias can come back. It can hurt you. It can, it can ru potentially ruin your life. So 
yeah, just just use uh, you know use a little humble little humbleness while you're when you're investing and say, okay, maybe I've been lucky or maybe I I picked good investments and it worked for a while, but you know it never hurts to have a checkup. Never hurts to talk to your advisor and double check on your strategy because when it comes to the bulk of your money, you want that money diversified. You want to use advice, you know. A plan fails for lack of many advisors. You know, you gotta you gotta get good advice, good sound advice. So call us. Using an advisor makes a ton of sense. And not only that, but you can have something customized. You can work through a customized plan where you've got some safe money. You've got maybe this account that you can continue to play with, and that's okay. But just you you can't make the grave mistake of of risking too much of your your life or your portfolio, um, doing things on your own, or you might end up in the poorhouse just living on social security. Very true. Very, very true. All right, let's do the last one. Uh, and this one certainly, again, all these, a lot of, not all, but some of these can definitely flow in together. Uh, and so trend chasing bias is the final one. And again, that kind of maybe could work with that self-attribution one because over the last couple of years, you know, maybe you were chasing the hot trends and it was working because the market was hot, right? But it's not working so much now. And I mean, you could look no farther than FTX to kind of go, yeah, <laughs> maybe chasing a trend is a bad idea. Yep. It happens all the time. Um, I can name, uh, you know, any number of different investment trends that have, have gone on over, over the years. And even the tech sector, you know, you go back to 2019, the roaring 90s back in the late 90s and and you could bought any stock pretty much in the in the tech sector and you hit a home run all, all until about 2000 and then the tech bubble crashed uh, that bubble burst and the market dropped and everybody who was invested there lost probably upwards of more than 50% of your portfolio you know maybe closer to 70% and without a without being fully diversified in in even US large stocks over the decade of the 2000s just they averaged about a negative 0.95 per year in the U.S. large. So you got to figure that um, if I trace this trend, it's going to bite me because what is hot right now is generally not hot forever. In fact, I have a really good chart. It's um, Fidelity puts one out in a, that I like to use in my, in you know, just to look at here. But um, we've got numbers of charts that are measure different asset classes and which one's the best performer of the year. And if I ask you at the beginning of the year, which is going to be the best performing asset class this year, Mark, can you tell me that? I could not. You could not. Yep. Your crystal ball is broken. So That's right. um, these charts show over the last 20 years what, what the best performing asset class is. And I can I can go and ask any anybody on this podcast listening, or you know, I can ask you what your thoughts are. And that's you might have a hunch, but you're almost almost always going to be wrong as far as what is the highest performer. So what makes sense is when you go to the horse track, own all the horses, and then you own the winner. You also own the loser. But you know, if you have a diversified portfolio, you're going to own the, the highest performing asset categories always. You'll also own the bottom performers. But overall, in the long run, you win. And as we rebalance those on the market highs and lows, um, you add value to your portfolio. So don't chase trends, uh, at least not with the bulk of your money. Like I say, if you want to have some play money, Great. Go go have fun. Call me when you when you uh, have half of what you what you invested. But um, let us manage the other stuff. Let us be prudent with it. Uh, the best time to be prudent is right now. Yeah. So stop chasing 
and start investing prudently. Yeah, and that's the point, right? So there's nothing wrong with having some biases. We all have these biases. Understanding them, recognizing them, and not allowing them to destroy your overall retirement strategy is key. And that's usually where an advisor comes into play because they can be that sounding board against some of our biases. And then, you know, if you want to have a little play money, then that's totally fine, but it's something you can afford to lose. So get on Matt's calendar if you need some help and you're not already working with him. Stop by the website, greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. That's greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. There's a uh, link to that on there as well on whatever platform you like to use, Apple, Google, Spotify. Matt, thanks for hanging out, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening today. Um, if you Again, as Mark said, if you do need uh, some advice, if you just want to toss around a few ideas, give us a call. I'd be happy to chat with you and uh, see if thing, what you're thinking makes sense. And we'll see you next time here on Mondays with Matt. And that number, by the way, is 989-401-2949. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.